everybody, welcome back to Wish Upon a Star. We are on to episode number 18, and in episode 18 we are going to be discussing the world-famous clown song that no one's ever heard of before. Yay! That's my favorite type of clown song. Actually, can I take 10 seconds to just listen to the song, the clown song again? Yeah. Great, that's the whole thing. You can include that in the podcast if you'd like, because that was ridiculous. Yeah, so the clown song is 17 seconds long. We'll get to it eventually, but I think it's important for us to sum up what's going on in the movie Dumbo and how we've gotten to this point where we have clowns in silhouette singing a song for some reason. So Wait, 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 Frodo. What? We didn't introduce ourselves. Oh, what are our names? I don't know. I'm Clownsy McGee, clown export extraordinaire. And I'm the really tall clown, Mr. Tallypants. Yeah. yeah. Or we could, I guess we could go with our our other clown names. I'm Amanda the person. No, I don't think we need those names. Honestly, if someone's listening to this song and they haven't <laughs> listened to another episode already, like, they just picked the wrong one. So just sign, if you don't know who we are, sign up and listen to another episode. You'll figure it out. This song is for our hardcore, uh, our hardcore <laughs> okay, audience. Frodo the lawyer, if that is your real name. Yeah. All right. Well, <laughs> I can't remember exactly what we talked about. I know we did Baby Mine in the last episode, uh, but I'm not sure how much we've actually covered of the plot of the movie. Oh, wait, is the plot of this movie? Kind of. Um, I, almost <laughs> maybe more than Pinocchio, which is just a series of events. It's <laughs> fair. Did we talk yet about Timothy Mouse and? Inception, how he incepts the ringmaster? I don't think so. <laughs> okay. Well, I feel like I'd remember that. Yeah, so Timothy Mouse uh, gets this idea. You know, he wants Dumbo to feel important because Dumbo's his new friend. This is back before Baby Mine. Mm-hmm. And his idea is why don't we make Dumbo the center of some act? Uh, the elephants will all stand on top of each other, Dumbo will be on top. It'll, it'll be good for Dumbo, he'll get praise. Because right now his mom is enslaved, or she's, well, they're all enslaved, but her, her mom is in, is in solitary confinement, so this will cheer him up. So what he does is he goes to the ringmaster who's sleeping, and he climbs in his ear because he's a mouse, and he whispers things <laughs> as he's sleeping, and sure. then the ringmaster wakes up and he's like, yes, Dumbo, yes, blah, 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 whatever. Uh, so, Now, Inception. Fro, how many of your friends have you done that for? How many have I incepted? Well, uh, no, how many people have you, like... You could you could have all you could have accepted the same person for like six friends. That's true. But like how many friends have required your inception? Oh, uh, it's, it's too many to count. You know. Oh man, what's your what's your trick? What you have to do is you have to uh, find someone who mm. doesn't wake up, and then you whisper in their ear, and well, then they. Frodo, do those stuff. people are dead. <laughs> no. That's a zombie. That, that that probably explains why they didn't wake up. Because I was whispering pretty loud, to be honest. Okay. I mean, on the other hand, though, you didn't accidentally practice necromancy. No. So that's top-notch. Because that whew, that's how they get you. Let me tell you, I have had some bad personal, you know, I don't like to go into my childhood too much on the show. Let me just tell you, necromancy does not always turn out the way they make it seem in the movies. It's all sunshine and rainbow unicorn zombies. But sometimes... Sometimes uh, they're making stew and their hand just falls <laughs> off in the stew. And then you have hand stew. <laughs> and Isn't hand stew one of the 
you know, assistant directors on Dumbo or something. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> definitely. What's the name of that guy from Pinocchio whose name I really liked? Oh, boy. Um... <laughs> he was actually an important guy. I uh, know. Uh... Like... Yeah, tee-hee, I feel like if, I, if we start, it's tee-hee. Tee-hee. Yeah. yeah, I was gonna say if we start guessing, it's gonna be racist. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Tihi Handstew. Yeah, Tihi Handstew. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the that's actually they they um they hang out in the tiki room mm. in the tiki 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 Handstew. Okay. Tiki 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 with tiki with Tihi and Handstew. The rhythm is not quite there. We will get there by the end of this episode, which is already like. 20 times as long as the song we're discussing. <laughs> well, so, going back to what the Inception happened, uh, unlike my Inceptions, Timothy Mouse's worked. And then Timothy Mouse was able to convince the Ringmaster. The Ringmaster woke up and he said, yes, we'll put Dumbo in the act. The mm-hmm. act happens, and unfortunately, Dumbo kind of falls down and everyone trips, and it all goes to poop. And Do you think that Walt Disney ever saw like a show that worked? Because every time he's put a theatrical production in one of his movies, it has gone very poorly, yeah, and in the same yeah. way. Pinocchio falling on his face, and Dumbo falling on his face, yeah. Uh, except maybe the dwarves. They, they did some good stuff. That's true. That's true. So once that all fails, Dumbo has to be a clown, and because he can't do anything else, he's a, a big failure. So Dumbo, beco- Dumbo becomes a clown. Sure. And... They do this whole bit with the clowns. There's lots of gags, like we've seen in prior movies. Mm-hmm. Gotta and, love a gag. And at the end, Dumbo jumps into a big thing of whipped cream. Uh, one side note, when he's jumping, uh, <laughs> this is a very deep reference, but if anyone's played the Nintendo game Donkey Kong Jr., the sound effect of when you die sounds in that game sounds very similar to the sound effect that occurred when Dumbo was falling into the big thing of cream. <laughs> Very deep cut. Boy, that is a deep cut. If anyone's played that game, they might be like, I don't remember that. Uh, but, <laughs> yeah. no, no. I, I haven't played it, so I cannot speak one way or the other. Yeah, but this but. is, I, like, I, when I watched Dumbo, I heard that sound effect. I was like, where have I heard that before? And then, you know, hours of research later, uh, hours of intense research later, I was like, oh, it's Donkey Kong Jr., which is not even a game that is known by people these days. You guys all just play fallout boy or whatever (laughs) okay so then what happens is timothy mouse is cleaning up dumbo from all the whipped cream he uses the phrase alley-oop which is the only reason i even care about the cleaning up scene because i thought that's an that's a basketball term but he's using it about cleaning sure sure that's when baby mine takes place they go to see his mother and then Mm -hmm. once baby mine is over it cuts back to the clowns because the clowns are rejoicing about how awesome the Dumbo jumping out of a window and falling into a cream act was. Yeah, because they gotta send in the clowns. There ought to be clowns. Is this a different thing? I think that's some musical that I don't know. It is. It's a little night music. No. Oh. Actually, if you're interested in Broadway more than our podcast, my brother has a podcast called Broadway Binge, which you guys can check out. Okay, but if you're going to post him on, make sure that he's cross-referencing yeah, he our podcast. Yeah, he has to cross-reference us, yeah. Okay. I don't know if I want his listeners listening to our podcast, though. Well, here, I'll, I'll, I'll throw a little bit on there for them. 17, set, set, 17, set, set, 17, 1789. Look at you. I don't know how to roll. Yeah, your brother ever needs a guest host. Mm-hmm. 
that yeah. he I, I have a very high fee, so just make sure he's aware of that. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, but I'm, I'm worth it, right? Yeah, you're irreplaceable. I really am. You know, you can bring in a Tory bat for an episode, but mm, if you try to rely on her for a whole season, you're just going to get a lot of strange women emotions, which I can't handle. Oh, that's true. I mean, listen, hold me, Tory bat, save me, Tory bat, but you can't do this podcast. Well, you cut out when you were singing that, which I think is a sign that we have to move on. (laughs) So, the clown song, that's where we are. The clowns, they're rejoicing, and not only are they excited that they're acting so well, they want a raise. They want more money. Ah, those people who deserve rights. Mm -hmm. Good for them. So now we've reached the song. And now we've passed the song, because that's how long it takes. So the song is written by Oliver Wallace. Mm-hmm. So that's noteworthy because the songs in this movie so far have all been written by Frank Churchill. Ah, uh, our old pal. Who is not the same person as Oliver Wallace. So. Is that because this is where he um, ended his life? No, no. He actually did that a couple years down the line. So. Oh, okay. Oliver Wallace was the guy who did the score. So okay. My guess is that they were like, hey, we need a little clown song. Frank didn't write one. And Oliver also wrote the last two songs in the movie as well. So we will see that as well. Nice. Um, Oliver Wallace. He's a guy. That's pretty much it. Uh, I mean, we can can sing the song. Let's just sing the song. Come on, let's do it. Okay, okay, okay. Wait, wait, wait. Give me one second. Well, the first, second, and fourth lines are all the same. The third one's the only one that's different. Okay, I, I got it. I got it. Okay. A one, two, three. Oh, oh we're, gonna we're gonna hit the, the big, bo- boss big boss for a raise. raise. Yes, yes, we're gonna, gonna hit the, the big, big boss, boss for a raise. Oh, oh we're gonna, gonna get, get more money because we, we know that we're funny. Oh, we're gonna hit the big boss for a raise. Is that now? Did I mess up? Because I'm pretty sure I was saying that's the same tune as. We'll be coming around the mountain when she comes, etc. It's pretty much the same thing, yeah. It's, it's okay. a, not actually, but, you know, it is that sort of song where you repeat the first and second line are the same as the fourth line. The third line is a little bit extended. Yeah. So what is your thoughts, before we go into the backstory of why this song exists, what, what are your thoughts on it as a song? <laughs> I mean, I just wish that I had this song, you know back when I was going to hit the big boss for a raise. Mm. Like, I mean, I guess I did because this song's been around since, like, 19... What 41. year is this again? 41. 41, yes. 1941. But I still remember, like, the one time I asked somebody for a raise. Mm-hmm. I was 21, I think, and it was for an internship in college, and I was doing a Skype interview, and I was like, okay, I think they're going to give me the job, but, like, I want to see if I can get... <laughs> $11 an hour out of them mm-hmm. instead of the 10 they're offering me. Yeah. Or no, I wanted to get 12 And in the Skype interview, which I was doing for my dorm in London, wearing, like, you know, like a, a blouse and pajama pants, <laughs> they offered the job, and I was like, can I get $12 an hour, though? And she was like, how about 11 And I was like, nice. So, But, like, this song could have gotten me up to 13 Well, if you had joined a union, maybe you could have gotten even higher. That's the, that's the thing. Those theater marketing intern unions. Yeah. Only... Well... I bring up unions because that is what this song is really all about. This song was written as a backlash from Disney against 
the union building that was Ooh, going on. Tell me more. It came about in 1941. There were Disney animators who were upset that the pay wasn't fa- it wasn't shared as fairly as they thought it should be. Also, the fact that Pinocchio and Fantasia, as we've talked about, were financially flops. Mm-hmm. It led to some layoffs from Disney. And so there was a lot of unrest. People wanted to have more workers' rights that were working on these movies. Uh, not people at the higher creative levels, but sort of at the lower levels. And Disney, at one point, to try to stop this movement, he held an assembly. And at that assembly, he went into this whole diatribe about how this is no good, you guys need to be grateful for what you have, so to speak, and that didn't go over well. There was more uprising. Disney had to fire this guy named Babbitt, who was uh, one of the union leaders. Specifically, the union that, that a lot of them were joining was the Screen Cartoonists Guild, which had contracts with other studios, but for some reason Disney just wouldn't relent. And what happened is 200 members of the studio went on strike during the production of Dumbo, and Disney retaliated by putting forth this song, the clown song, in which the clowns are supposed to be depicting both in how they look and how they're acting, these striking employees who are now asking for raises, their caricatures of the strikers. Mm-hmm. And the, the, the clowns in this movie are definitely villains. They're mean to Dumbo, and they're greedy, and they're not even that funny. They don't really deserve what they want. And that's kind of how Disney saw these strikers is they didn't deserve what they were asking for. Well, that sucks. Yeah. 75 years later, we still see the strikers depicted poorly. And it's all all Disney's fault because he was kind of, uh, you know, a grudge holder. But Well, luckily, no one actually remembers this song. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. So there's yeah. something... At, le- at least no one's like, oh, man, yeah, yeah, the, yeah. that you know, those Disney artists, those mm. drunk clowns. Yeah. Um, well, Amanda, you said that you saw some cool images from the strike. Yeah, there's a lot of really cool images online um, of the various pickets, and some of them have some fun signs. Mm. My favorite one says, are we mice or men? Which oh. is a nice sort of, you get the of mice and men... Um, mm-hmm. actually, give me one second. What year did Of Mice and Men come out? Well, it's, it's based on an expression. Of Mice and Men came out in 1937, so that also predates okay. Dumbo. But then, cool. also, I think the expression is based on something. Yeah. I mean, that's from a poem. Mm-hmm. But by, like, I think that's Robert Burns. Yes, you're right. It, it, the title of Of Mice and Men is taken from Robert Burns to a mouse. Yes! And to a mouse was written in 1785. Or no, that's, yeah, 1785, so. So definitely before 1941. Yeah, exactly. Uh, there's another cool one that's a picture of Pinocchio without strings and says, there are no strings on me, which is a fun little, mm. fun little thing that they did there. Yeah, using Disney's um, own, it's up to own stuff against him. His, his, his mouse, yes, exactly. Mickey Mouse, his puppet, Pinocchio, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. It's up to Walt to call a halt. Mm. I love a rhyme. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Rhymes are great. Especially when you're, you want money. Oh yeah, it's the best way to get money is by like, When I was a child and I wanted more allowance, I was like, "Mommy, mommy, give me money, otherwise I'll eat the honey." And she did not want you to get cavities, yeah, so it's exactly. easier to give you money. Yeah, exactly. Is yeah. that something that they went over in law it's school pre- a lot? Yes, yeah, it's, it's that's a preventative cost actually. That's know? true. So there you go. 
Um, this one just says, we made Fantasia, which is true. <laughs> yeah. Good, good point. I, I hope that Walt, like, went outside and was like, stop! <laughs> that sign makes a good point. And he just went back inside. But on the other hand, it doesn't make a good point because they did lose a bunch of money on Fantasia. That's so maybe true. you don't want to don't want to draw to that. Mm-hmm. But I, I think what they could be getting at is, hey, we fought through your stupid pet project, Walt Disney, that we all knew was going to lose money. Like mm-hmm. we made it for you, and now you're punishing us because you lost money on your stupid pet project that obviously wasn't going to make money because what well respected, respecting 1940s <laughs> young chap is going to want to see a bunch of old timey music and not his new fun ragtime stuffs not me that's for sure <laughs> this isn't this is way after ragtime too but. yeah considerably um so that strike ended when finally walt resolved the issue with um the national labor relations board intervened and they asked mm-hmm. disney to sign a contract with the union he finally agreed but as a result of layoffs and the strike and all the sentiment around the studio, only 694 employees were left at the studio at the end of the strike, whereas there were 1,200 before. Now, this is all based on Wikipedia. Dang. I don't know how accurate all this is, but the point is that a lot of people left the studio and didn't come back, uh, including some of the more prominent anim- animators. Disney never forgave the participants of the strike, and he subsequently treated union members with contempt... This is also from Wikipedia. He argued mm-hmm. later that the strike was a good cleansing of his studio, a cleaned house. So he got rid of these undesirables, these people, and this is a quote, the chip on their shoulder boys and the world owes me a living lads. Those people were out. Yikes. It was just the good, hardworking Americans that didn't care about their family's well-being. And uh, Side note, there are definitely women in these picket lines, so like... <laughs> They were also women who were involved in this. He just called them boys and lads. I, don't... I see that. Okay. <laughs> I'm not blaming you personally. I just want the world to know. <laughs> yeah. One more thing Walt Disney left out of his perfect union. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> ultimately, he testified in front of the House Un-American Activities Committee, which was this... It's a committee that people have heard of. It was trying to find commies in America during the Cold War, and Disney alleged that communism had played a major role in the strike, and that many of the participants uh, should be... Well, many of the participants were blacklisted. I don't know if he said that to the committee, but um, that was the effect. Yikes. That a lot of these these people were painted as commies, so... Good. Disney kind of was very vengeful, and yeah. he, he was even willing to put a horrible song and scene into his movie just mm-hmm. out of vengeance, because this song sucks. Yeah, it, there's a lot of things Walt Disney did personally that were pretty questionable. Mm. Um, so it, it's worth, you know, it's the sort of thing that's good to be informed about. Um, there's a really, there's a book that's interesting. And by interesting, I mean it uses it as a backdrop for like a young adult love story. So, you know, my favorite thing. But if anyone enjoys um, YA books, Dream Factory uh, by Brad Barkley and Heather Hepler is a delightful book. And it's set against the backdrop of like a Disney strike, which is really interesting. Hmm. Um, in that one, the Disney character performers are on strike um, and they have to hire like teen interns, just like fill the positions for the summer. Um, naturally, romantic shenanigans abound, but. Oh, wow. I guess the point is that the world has not solved all of its labor problems. Sometimes you may need to go to the big boss and ask for a raise. And sometimes you should be allowed to get the raise and not just have your boss yell at you, fire you, and then make a mean animation about you. Mm. 
And I think it's just one more indication, which is, I mean, like, I feel like every episode of our Dumbo, like, season is just like, hey, did you all know Disney isn't perfect or even Mm. close to it or even great a lot of the time? No more hating on Disney. They're they're paying our bills, which is not really. Okay, well, we've had enough of this song. I'm going to give it a G. A G is G is lower than F, which means this is the worst song we've had so far because it's barely a song. Wow, you hate this more than one song? Oh, yeah. Well, at least one song is is one song. This isn't even a full song. That's Uh, true. Although, let me tell you how pleased I was that you pushed the um, the prince further in Disney Idol. I was really afraid you were going to hold one song against him. No, I... I was glad you could see that. He's got the vocal skills. He just... It's it's not his fault that he's singing, you know, Frank Churchill's worst work. But, <laughs> yeah, I'm giving it a G for greedy, because those clowns are greedy, I'm telling you. Greedy commies. I'm going to give it... Hmm. <laughs> On the one hand, it's a little catchy. It's no Casey Jr., which rises higher and higher in my estimation every song we do in Dumbo. By the time we finish Dumbo, I swear, Casey Jr. is going to have 10 out of 10 elephant ears. Um, I'm going to give this song 3 out of 10 elephant ears. Because it's nothing. (laughs) But I want to give the animators who picketed um, from Disney 10 out of 10 elephant ears. Because, you know, it's important to fight Mm -hmm. for your rights. And Mm -hmm. I think, you know, in days like these, it's important to honor those who fought for their rights. And... You know, even if they were blacklisted from the situation, still did with the right thing, and that's important. Yeah. And it's good that we're remembering them and their corny picket signs. Um, I guess one thing that's kind of cool about the song is how the clowns are shown in silhouette through a tent. I don't know. It's an interesting choice. That, that's, <laughs> that's all I really care about in this song. Um, all right, I've had enough of this song, but stay tuned because we're doing the second segment of Disney Idol now. Hopefully, it's better than this song. Disney Idol, oh boy! Da 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 da! Hey everybody, it's time for more Disney Idol, and welcome back. Once again, I am still Frodo the Lawyer, as I was in this episode, and I am here with Mel B. Once again. Hi! And, um, <laughs> and this time we are talking about the female characters, the women. And specifically, that is Snow White, along with the three female puppets that we saw in Pinocchio. Uh, Mel B, unfortunately for your gender, there just weren't many options in these early Disney movies. Yeah, it really really showed, there's a lack, you know, Snow White is a child, and the other three are non-human puppets. (laughs) So I feel like Disney has a a while to go. (laughs) We're having a strong female protagonist. Yeah, we had to fill the group, though, so we we had to dig deep. Um, I mean, if if just the, if the witch... Uh, the evil queen, which had just, you know, done anything rhythmically. I mean, I guess she, she like, cast a spell, but, you know, that that wasn't good enough. It needs, like, more. an Ursula song. Yeah, but she didn't, so she can't make it in. She would have, stand no chance in Disney Idol. Plus, plus, she's a hideous witch beast, so. No. Well, once she's the queen, she's kind of pretty, I guess. Eh, I don't know, the mirror wasn't really feeling it. Well, she was the fairest of all before Snow White came along. Perhaps. I'm assuming. Uh, <laughs> That's what the story makes it seem like. Enough of her. Let's start <laughs> off with Snow White, and we're going to hear a snippet of Snow White singing from her first, her uh, debut single, Make I'm Wishing. Wish into the well. That's all you have to do. And if you hear it echoing, your wish will soon come true. I'm wishing. I'm wishing. 
Well, I'll start this off in talking about Snow White's vocal quality. I know this has been a big topic of interest in the podcast, <laughs> the fact that she was performed by uh, a young woman, and she's playing a youthful girl, so she has this this tinny, high-pitched quality uh, and a very shaky vibrato. Having said all that, though, she is hitting a lot of notes. I mean, she has a, this unlimited range, Mariah Carey-esque. <laughs> One. Well, unlimited going high. Right. Yes. I don't know. She can hit low notes. <laughs> and that's partially you know, an issue of song selection here. She's chosen to sing I'm Wishing for us. Good point. Which doesn't have those low notes. Maybe next time we can we can uh, hear some more. She should sing, she should sing Hi-Ho. Yeah, exactly. Maybe next time, Miss <laughs> Snow, if you advance, you can sing Hi-Ho for us and we can really hear that. that booming vibrato. That booming voice that fills up a cave full of, uh, full of diamonds <laughs> and men. Yeah, uh, but for right now, we've heard we hear some good range from Snow White. And on top of that, she is always in tune. She's hitting her notes. And she has some emoting in her, her voice, uh, although I, I, I would want a little bit more. A little more emotion in her voice. A little more uh, range in that terms. It is kind of a one-note song, though. It's just about her wishing. That, that is, yeah, that's true. <laughs> You're the expert on performances. Do you feel like she's really giving uh, a sense that she's wishing for something, or is she just kind of singing along the notes on the page as if they don't mean anything? Yeah, I mean, I agree. Like, clearly she is wishing, you know, wishing into her wishing well, but she's basically singing to herself. Mm. It's hard to get a sense of whether she could be a true performer mm. because when the prince does show up, like her audience of sorts, she freaks out and yeah, runs exactly. away. I had that written down in my notes too. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't think she's ready for her moment. That's what I wrote down. Yeah, I mean, it might be because she has a crush on him, mm. and like that's something that people will do with a crush. But if she's a true singer, like she wouldn't get stage fright all of a sudden when an actual human being comes to listen to her, as opposed to birds. Exactly. I mean, those birds could have crushes on her too. She doesn't, you know. That's a good point. Mm. She has a good look. Yeah, so since you're our Hollywood expert, star potential, do you see that, even though she might not have succeeded in this time, do you see that if she was given another chance, she could perhaps claim her moment? I think so, because, I mean, assuming you've seen the entire film, she does sort of grow as a person. Like, she's sequestered in the beginning in her little tower, but once she befriends the dwarf, she becomes a little more easygoing and... Mm fun-loving, so maybe mm. once she opens up a bit, you know, yeah. she'll be able to perform better. Perhaps, perhaps. Okay, well, the next one is, well, the next three actually are all puppets, and they are all performing in the same number, which is I've Got No Strings, which we already heard Pinocchio perform in, but he was not the only person to sing. In fact, we have these other puppets, so we're going to hear them one by one, and they each sing a little verse, and do a little performance. We'll see how they do. First off, we have the Dutch puppet. You have no strings, your arms is free. You love me by the side of me. Yuck, 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 if you would do, I'd boost my strings for you. So as far as the Dutch puppet's performance goes, I think she's the most puppet-like. Mm. You know, her her motions seem a little more stilted. Um, her eyes don't blink, which is a little creepy. <laughs> and we just want our Disney idol to feel like they have agency, even if they are animated creatures. Like, the fact that she is a puppet being controlled so clearly, you know, is a little off-putting to me. Yeah, I think that 
In terms of performance, I noticed she really just has sort of one dance move. It's like she puts her hands on her hips and she kind of like moves her head and kind of like, na na na. Like a chicken dance? Yeah, like a chicken yeah, That's actually a good point. That's, I didn't what I, that's what I thought of. Yeah, yeah, the chicken dance. It's not, um, I wouldn't even call it a dance. You know, she's, yeah. she's moving while she sings, but she's not really giving, uh, it's not a full performance. You know, it's not like I'm at a Britney Spears concert. It's like I'm at a, a sassy girl yelling at her mom concert um yeah i just wasn't sure if like the chicken dance was racist against dutch people i couldn't really tell yeah i'm not, not sure like the oddest like the french and russians seem to have more authentic dances to their yeah. cultures yeah maybe they were just like we don't we don't yeah <laughs> we don't know what dutch people do what do they do they wear clogs who knows yeah, um, yeah in terms of her vocals i wrote down that it was basic by the book singing she yeah she hits her notes she enunciates you can understand her uh, she has a little bit of a uh, vocal inflection when she says, yeah, 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 and then boost. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, you know, she's giving us a little bit, but it's still pretty bland. Um, but I do have to give her credit for hitting her notes, especially yeah. compared to our next puppet, the French puppet. You've got two things to sing yourself. You self well, that is oh, la, la. I've got things, but on to you. I'd cut my things for you. The French puppet doesn't even sing notes. Right. I mean, I, I guess that's <laughs> what I was getting at. Um, for me, the French puppet's vocals are basically nothing. She's just talk singing, and this isn't even the kind of talk singing we get from Doc in... Our last segment of Disney Idol, we talked about how Doc yeah. at least is giving us something kind of like a children's rap. This okay. French puppet is, she's just kind of saying words. So I, I'm not, I'm not into it, but what do you think about her performance? I feel like her performance was almost non-existent. Like not only does she not sing, she mm. doesn't even dance. They, mm. She swoops up into the air and then the can-can chorus girls come in and do yeah. all the cool dancing. So she, she can't sing, she can't dance. You know, I don't know what uh they see in her to put her in the show well i mean from a male perspective and i'm not speaking for myself i'm also speaking for jiminy clearly <laughs> she has the sex symbol thing going on and you know when we're looking for our next disney idol maybe we do want to put in someone who has the look even if she has not the talent if you've ever watched american idol yeah. um sometimes those people somehow make their way in because they they hold out this hope that they're gonna become a singer and then yeah. once america's like no they're not then they go home Yes, but I feel like the Dutch puppet and the Russian puppet are equally sexualized, you know, for the male mm. gays, and they are slightly better singers, so... Right, M maybe for the male gays they're <laughs> sexualized enough, but uh, Jiminy Cricket, for the cricket gays, he's only into the French. Ah, Yeah. okay. Um, <laughs> yeah, but I, I agree with you. I think it's possible to have both, yeah. you know, talent and sex appeal. <laughs> That's true. Now let's move on to the Russian puppet. Okay, so before we play that, you were saying that uh, the Russian and the Dutch puppets have a little bit of performance ability along with their sexual whatever, <laughs> whatever, yeah. whatever, whatever well, puppet sex yeah. symbolness. I mean, in my opinion, she of the puppets, not to give anything away of my final rankings, but I think she's by far the best because she she can sing, she hits notes, and she does a really cool dance. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. She does sort of Russian dance and is spinning around while singing. Yes. And she's, you know, cute. She has a cool hat. I like mm-hmm. her outfit the best. Yeah, she's, um, she definitely has Pinocchio a wardrobe her. department. Yeah. So I think that, you know, and also, like, Russians are sort of hot right now. Hot mm-hmm. issue in America. So <laughs> <laughs> I feel like she has a lot going for her. Yes. I agree. Uh, the dancing, as you said, she's the only one of the three puppets to really dance while she sings because we considered the Dutch puppets chicken dance not really a dance. So she's <laughs> she's doing the kicking, she does the spins, and that's something we want in our Disney Idol. We want someone who's going to be able to sing and dance and perform. I mean, it's not necessary. You know, there are different types of performers, but it certainly can't be a negative yeah. thing. Specifically about her voice, I'm a, I'm a fan. Yeah. Snow White has the range, the vocal range, and the Dutch puppet hit her notes, but the Russian puppet... I like her tone, um, which is not something that we've focused too much on yet, but uh, it's kind of this, like, almost like mumble growl type singing, which I I kind of see as, like, a Russian Rihanna flavor going on. <laughs> you know, like, Rihanna and her songs will be like, yeah. like, she'll, she doesn't really enunciate, she's kind of like, Yeah. Yes, the Russian puppet, you know, her lyrics specifically are, like, down where the Volga flows, you know, it's like... I could not understand anything she was saying, but it still works for me. <laughs> down where the Volga flows, you know... Uh, where the what uh, flows? The Volga, it's a, like a river. Oh, is that a river? Okay. Yeah, somewhere in Eastern Europe. So, <laughs> I like that. I, I feel like sh- her voice would... Although she recorded this back in the, you know, the 1940s, I think that her, assuming she's still alive, uh, her voice works for maybe she's going to be singing the chorus of a rap song or something. You know, she could be sampled. I I like this. I like this this tone. I'm liking Mm -hmm. the Russian Rihanna song dance potential. I also think it's good to have an angle. I think in the last episode we talked about how people on American Idol, you know, you have the country person and the rocker. Mm -hmm. Like, having being the Russian, that's a good angle. You know, it'll make you stand out from the crowd. Exactly, yeah. Especially over... uh, boring old Snow White, just a, yeah. just a white person. Yeah, um, well, they're all just, like, what, Western European mm-hmm. Middle Ages people? Or maybe yeah. early modern? I don't know when these people lived, but... Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Alright, well, I think that's enough analysis. Let's get to the voting, the decisions. I'll go first. So my last place singer is the French puppet because she doesn't sing. <laughs> in, in third place, I have the Dutch puppet because the Dutch puppet sings, but it's pretty by the books. It's pretty simple. And now my big decision between the Russian puppet and Snow White. And even though Snow White does the more complicated singing, I'm telling you, we're looking for a star. We're not looking for someone to, you know, sing a melody to people that aren't paying money. (laughs) So Snow White, I'm going to put in second place. And in first place, I'm giving it to the Russian puppet. I think that her voice is now. I... I like your thought process. Yeah. Okay, so for my ratings of performance, um, I also ranked the French puppet last place because she didn't really do anything, you know, mm. sing or dance. Then I had the Dutch puppet. I thought she was an okay singer, but I'm not judging that. I mm. thought she was a weird, creepy sort of performer, <laughs> so mm-hmm. didn't like that. Um, and then second place, I agreed with you, Snow White. Ah. Um, yeah, so... She didn't really, like, she did have a pretty voice, I think, but 
she didn't really perform. She ran away when an audience showed up, which yeah. isn't a good sign, mm-hmm. uh, which is why I put the Russian number one. She's already a professional, you know, performer. Oh, yeah. And I think that we can, you know, support her and make her a more successful talent. Yeah. Once she gets in our hands, we're going to mold her to... Be the Russian Rihanna? Yeah. <laughs> Well, this is an interesting thing, because we both picked the same person, so uh, it seems as though only one person's moving on, unless one of us wants to use one of our producer saves, which we can pull out if we need to. And I'm going to. I think that we should save Snow White, because that kind of vocal range is something that is unique, and I know that she's, right now, her tone isn't there, her performance isn't there, but maybe if we give her some chances to perform later on, she can conquer her fears. So I'm going to give her another chance. I'm using my cruiser safe. I'm burning it here. (laughs) It won't be, I won't have it available in the next episode, unfortunately. But that means that the Russian puppet and Snow White are moving on to the semifinals of Disney Idol. Yay. You know, I think, I think they'll be good. Okay. Well, thank you again (laughs) for joining me, Mel B. And Uh, it was my pleasure. And this has been Disney Idol on Wish a Pot of Star. So that was Disney Idol, and thanks again for listening to the Clown Song episode, episode 18. This has been Frodo the Lawyer. This has been Amanda the Person. And thank you for listening to Wish Upon a Star. Strike! 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 Cute newsies! 